lesson from Noah. Hopefully, we will get finished up today. My goal will be to finish up, even if I have to move this forward quickly. We, um, we made it through chapter 6. I'm not going to go verse by verse necessarily through 7, 8, 9, and even a little bit of 10 um, in some of the additional lessons from Noah, but rather I'm going to weave in and out now. I am going to reference back just a little bit. Maybe it would have been better to, uh, to break this up into two sections. Maybe it would have been better to think about the lessons from the account of Noah and the flood and then the lessons of Noah, but um, that was an afterthought for me. This probably will not be as polished this morning as maybe some others that I deliver every once in a while. You guys are you guys are my guinea pigs as I change up my slides and ways of doing things. I told Greg this morning, sometimes I feel like I need to get rid of my PowerPoints because I feel like I do preach a little bit better when I'm just preaching and going to, uh, to the Word, but this does help center my thoughts and keep me moving sometimes too. Um, but I want to look at Noah again, and I had Sean read the very last verse because I think if there's a big lesson from the account of the flood and the account of Noah, it's that Noah did the things that God wanted Noah to do. And he did walk with God, and because he walked with God, he found favor in God's eyes. But there are many other small pieces Small learnings we can pick up from, uh, from Noah that will challenge our minds to think. And um, I'm grateful we have this time this morning. I'm so thankful that I'm here with each and every one of you this morning. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak. And you guys haven't asked me to stop it. Um, it energizes me. It challenges me. I love Bible class. I uh, love that uh, Greg and I had a difference of thought there on uh, why he saw remarried for the third time and I said I thought he did it out of spite logic might say he didn't necessarily do it out of spite we don't know we can't get into the head of Esau but if he was doing it out of spite it wouldn't make sense to go marry another Canaanite uh, but in his third marriage he didn't so it does almost feel like he was trying to appease his parents but I love that it challenges um, my mind I hope it challenges yours and I know when I study for these lessons Though I may change my slides a dozen times, it's good for me. And it probably does more good for me and the men that stand before you than maybe it does for the audience. So though it won't be well polished, I am confident in the lessons. I am confident in the verses. Um, if you are apt to taking notes, if you'll grab some notes and thoughts, you can study this out in your own time and you might glean even more information from it. And uh, you might come back and say, hey, Ben, I had some additional thought. I had thought about something you said. I did in the hotel room last week. Um, was thinking back on some of what I'd already presented and what I wanted to present. And I think you guys might have to correct me, or I may have to go back and listen to the recording. But I think I attributed um, Lamech and Lamech's potential influence on Noah as being his grandfather. And that would have been uh, his uncle or his great uncle. I need to follow that lineage a little bit better. But uh, anyway, I love that the Bible forces us to continue to learn and study and to grow. And uh, so anyway, let's see what else we can glean from the lessons of Noah. The first one I have on the screen, we kind of already talked about, but I wanted to draw it out again, so maybe we won't go to all seven verses that I have on the screen. By the way, you're going to have to turn your Bibles this morning because I did not put those on the screen. But it's okay. Matter of fact, it 
it is right for us to be peculiar people when we are peculiar because we are living the way God would have us to live. Noah followed after God when the rest of the world did not. That's not my thought. That's not um, just my surmising or thinking, but it tells us in chapter 6 that the world was filled with violence and evil thought and evil intentions, and they had the vast, the majority of the world had separated themselves from God, and it repented God. It, it pained God um, at that point that he had created man because they separated themselves so far away from him, yet, yet, there was Noah, and Noah walked with God. But Noah followed after God when all the rest of the world was striving against them. Tells us in uh, verse 3 that God said, I will not always strive with man. In other words, my patience, my long-suffering at some point is going to reach its, its finality. And um, he would not continue to strive with man or man striving against him. In verse 8, we see the flip to that, the con uh, contrast to that, is that Noah found grace in God's eyes. And we don't have to wonder why did Noah find grace? Because in verse 9, it says that he walked with God. And so that ought to cause us to think about what it means to walk with God. And that should be a lesson that we get from Noah. We should be aligned with God. We should walk with God. But what does that really mean? Let's go to Proverbs um, chapter 3 first. Remember, um, obvious of course, but this would have come after this writing would have been recorded and stated after um, the time of Noah. But these are the things that should, and maybe others, come to our mind when we think about this particular lesson and Noah walking after God. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. I have a different Bible this morning. You guys might have to bear with me. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. We align ourselves with God. If we seek to align ourselves with God, if we keep studying God's word and God's will and God's desire and pattern for my life, then that way will be straight for me. Um, God will give us the understanding that we need as we build the word of God in our hearts and in our minds. Um, the same thought carries out in Micah 6 and verse 8. We've read over and over in Deuteronomy and in Exodus um, the conditions upon God's blessings and God continuing um, to be with the people is that they continue to be with him. They continue to walk with him. And then I want you to go to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 and verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So we think about the lesson of Noah, one of the lessons of Noah, in that he walked with God. We ought to strive to walk with God. We ought to, be, we ought to strive to walk as our Lord and our Savior walked. He created us for good works. He created us to do his will. We should seek to be aligned with him. We've had sermons on that as well. Uh, Noah also led his family in the ways that God prescribed. And maybe these are, these are very close to the same. That's why I lumped them here together. But when the rest of the world was living for themselves and separate from that which God had prescribed and desired, 
We see Noah leading his family in a way that uh, was in walk with God. Well, how do we know that? Because God spared Noah and his family. We saw in uh, verses 2 through 4 where the sons and daughters, and we talked about what that meant, but the sons and daughters that were previously acknowledging God, they were now intermarrying, and they were marrying based on the, the outward appearances, the outward beauty of those that they saw, and not those that would have been aligned with their same thoughts and their same uh, beliefs that they held in God. And through that intermarriage, they were weakening their faith. And God describes it for us in the verses that follow as to how wicked they had become and how wicked the earth had become. Noah, however, took one wife. And Noah raised his children to walk with God. Now, we'll see where that leads a little later on, but we do see Noah's family spared. And it's because of walking, it's because of his leadership that he gave unto his family. Turn with me to Proverbs 22. I have just a few thoughts. You may think of others. Please, jot them down, share them with me someday. Keep them in your own studies. But Proverbs 22 and verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. This was uh, after Noah's time, but Noah certainly appears to have lived this out. And it ought to be something that sits in our mind when we think about this learning from Noah. Go to 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 3. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. And Noah knew his place, and he knew his responsibility, and apparently he strived to keep it, and to, to honor God by the way he led his family. All right, the next lesson that I have. When the world doesn't understand, God does. Well, where in the world did I get that from? In verses 1 through 13 of chapter 6, we get all that the world is. We see the contrast between the world and how they live, and we see Noah. Now I want you to think and suppose, or put yourself in Noah's shoes for a moment. Think about what kind of peer network, spiritual network, that Noah had. Who did Noah have that he could turn to when he was having struggles with his walk with God. He could turn to God. And he probably turned to his wife. But he didn't, he didn't have spiritual men that we're aware of. Because it describes all of the earth um, for us in chapter 6. And so Noah likely felt lonely at times. And men, we ought to really lean in here. Um, our elders should really lean in here on this learning for Noah. That can be a lonely role sometimes. It's hard work. It's, um, it's physically demanding. It is immensely mentally demanding. Because they are overseeing the flock. And they are watching over your souls. And, and as a member, as a member, as a part of the body, they're already worried about the condition of the rest of the body, but they're tasked with ensuring that the flock is fed, that it's fed appropriately, 
with the right amount of feed, with the correct kind of feed. And they have grave responsibility. And I can tell you, these gentlemen's role, it takes time. It takes a mental toll on, on one. Noah would have known, men. He was striving to lead his family when the entirety of the rest of the world was not concerned with God and his ways. He was trying to raise his kids in a world where the influence to live worldly would have been immense upon them and upon him and upon his wife. And Noah remained faithful and walked with God. And men, if you think it's difficult to do the work of God because it is, Noah bore on. He kept on. Men, if you think sometimes it is lonely and it is difficult, and how in the world do I, do I fit in my studies and preparing sermons and preparing to lead songs and preparing for Bible class? Among the fact that I work 40 or 60 or 80 hours a week and I have to be the head of the household, look back at Noah. He struggled through it. It's not recorded for us. But we know Noah was flesh just as we were. He didn't have a network to turn to other than God and his wife. Maybe his sons as they aged and as they matured and walked after the ways which he had taught them. Noah didn't need popular consensus to know what to do. I've heard it said before, and I've repeated it because I like the statement. Me plus God is the majority. I don't, I don't need anyone else's opinion or support to know what to do. At first, that sounds kind of hard. But the reality is, if I have God's word, and I know that I know God's word, then I have the majority opinion because God is the majority. And though Noah might not have had many, if any, to turn to for help and support, to be able to talk something out and express his frustrations, he had God. He had his understanding of God's word and what God would have him to do. And the Bible tells us over and over again, three or four times, Noah did that which God asked him to do, and he walked with God. In our world today, this is just as hard as it probably was in Noah's day. Maybe Noah had it worse. I don't know. Maybe we have it worse. Maybe it's all a matter of a matter of opinion or a matter of um, circumstance. I don't know. But the world today is pressing upon you and upon your children and upon your loved ones. That we have to act in a certain way. We have to accept things in a certain way. We have to respond to others in a certain way. We have to live in a certain way because it's popular. But we have God's word. And that's our standard. If there is another lesson we learned from Noah that maybe I put in here, maybe I didn't, maybe I intended to work it in on my very last slide. There is a way that is right for man. And it's not what I devise up here, but what is written here. There has to be a standard for man. I've had this discussion before. I'm going to deviate for just a moment. I had a discussion with an employee one time who didn't believe in the Bible. 
Bible is just a book written by men. I don't know that I believe in God. How do you determine what is right or wrong? What I asked her, well, I just know. Well, tell me something that's wrong. And I don't remember what she told me. How do you know it's wrong? Because I feel it's wrong. I said, well, let's go very broad. Is it wrong to murder someone? Yes, everybody knows it's wrong to murder someone. Why? Why is life valuable to you? If there is no God, as Paul stated, why don't we just eat, drink, be merry, and do what we, whatever we want to do? If there is no God, we're wasting our time. All this is in vain. The reality is, we know and recognize that there is something greater than us. From the time we're able to apply logic as human beings, we understand through nature. Had that discussion before. What about all those people who have never heard the gospel? The book of Romans tells us they have the ability to know there is a God. Now, yes, it is our responsibility to take the word to the world. But man can know there's something more than just me. And he should know. And if that is reality, then there is a standard for living. Noah knew there was a standard for living. And though everything else around him told him he should be doing something different, because he was different and peculiar, he held to that which was right by God. He walked with God. Go to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 33 and 34. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. But some man will say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? Awake to righteousness. How do I know righteousness? Sin not. How do I know what is sin? I know by the knowledge of God. If I lack that knowledge of God, it ought to shame me. It ought to shame men. It ought to shame mankind. Just like that conversation I had with that employee who eventually got mad at me and we had to terminate our conversation. Because the reality eventually boils down to somehow, somewhere, I came to the conclusion that murder is wrong. I value human life. Why do I value human life? Because it's ingrained in, in mankind that I, there's more than just me. We ought to think also about Galatians. Go to Galatians 1.10. You may already have these in your head, but I'm going to flip and read so I don't misappropriate them. As I did with one day. Galatians 1.10. For do I now... Let me start again. For do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men... I should not be the servant of Christ. What's my motive? To live in a way that is godly or to live in a way that's in harmony with the rest of the world? I think I've shared with you at least once before. If you want encouragement, there are a lot of Facebook groups that ask questions and are seeking learning that are Church of Christ discussion groups. If you want to be discouraged, there are a lot of groups on Facebook that are Church of Christ discussion groups. 
Because somebody will, for example, point out false teachers to provoke thoughts around what they are teaching and whether or not they are godly. And somebody else will come in and say, how dare you say Joyce Meyer, Mayor, however you pronounce her name, is not a Christian woman. I have learned so much from her. You know what? She's an eloquent speaker. She has a, a command of audience presence that is, that is good and polished. But that which she speaks is not true. Pieces of it might be. But she's not a truth seeker, nor is she a true prophet, nor is she a true deliverer of God's word. She has perverted and twisted. And there were many others. The subject of drinking. Oh my goodness. I can't believe how much my brothers and sisters are split over the matter of drinking. How many drinks does it take for me to be intoxicated? It takes one. So I am drunk. At the moment, I consume alcohol. And yet, the Bible tells me I shouldn't be drunk. Well, but it does have that those two words in there, in excess. At what point am I intoxicated? At the moment I take a drink. The reason we try to appease that, I'm convinced in my mind, is because of what we read right here in Galatians. Am I seeking to please men? Am I seeking to fit in with the crowd to not rock the boat? Am I seeking to please God? Noah held the course. And to the best of our understanding, he was the only one that held the course. Him and his family. But amidst a, a world that was living for other things, there was Noah walking with God. We ought to also learn from Noah, the account of Noah and the flood anyway, that God knows the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God knows what we do and he knows what we think. Again, if we go back to chapter 6, we see that. We see this, the explicit verbiage that their thoughts were evil continually. God knew that. God does know that. And so that ought to be thought-provoking to us. How do I feel my mind? What is on my heart continually? Is it that which strives to be aligned with God? Or is it influenced by the things of this world? How easily do I get agitated with things of this world, right? How, easy, how easily do I get provoked? Am I pretty even-keeled or am I short-tempered? Do I have patience or not? Sounds like we could study somewhere and see how God would have us to, uh, to be minded. Go to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, starting verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. The psalmist recognized God's ability, but not only did he recognize God's ability, he longed for it. Search me, know my mind, try what's in my mind, and know my thoughts. Why? See if there's any wicked in me. Why? 
so that you can lead me in the way everlasting. The psalmist is saying, know what is in th my thoughts and in my mind, Lord, and if it is against thee, do whatever it takes to lead me in the way everlasting. Help me understand truth. If that is reality, chastise me if that is reality so that I learn and I am aligned in the way everlasting. I know I'm adding some thought process in there, but you can read into the fact that the psalmist wants God to know what is on his heart and his mind. Go to Hebrews 4. 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God's word will, God's word will divide us. It will help us either to understand that we are in alignment with God's way or we are not. How we respond to it is up to us. But the Word of God is powerful. It convicts hearts. It convicts minds. I hope we still believe that. I think we do. I know that I, I feel it that this congregation does. God's Word is not lost on this world. There are still many groaning for the truth. There are still those who are out there seeking to know. And the Word of God is still powerful. It will prick hearts. we got to believe that. We have to believe it. Noah didn't know it in this verbiage, but Noah knew it. He went on doing what God would have him to do. It's a sad fact that despite whatever interaction Noah had with the world, and if it were 120 years or if it was 50, I know the Bible says at the beginning there um, that 120 years would kind of be the, the um, man, what am I trying to struggle with? The, the end of man, or however it's phrased back there in chapter 6. Um, whether it took Noah 120 years, which I believe it did, um, to finish the ark and for all the flood to begin, or whether that took 50 years, don't you know that Noah had interaction with the rest of the world around him? Don't you know some of that probably was inquisitive? Noah, what are you doing? Why are you building a boat? Don't you know there was ridicule? Noah, what are you doing? Why are you building a boat? And whether that was four years or 40 years or 120 years, Noah persevered. God knows what's in our hearts and what's in our minds. Where was I going with that in 4 and verse 12? God's word still has power. no one knew it because he taught it to his family if the rest of the world shunned it that was on the rest of the world go to Philippians 4 and verse 8 
Philippians 4 and verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on these things. We've got to fill our minds. We've got to fill our hearts with the things that God would have them to be filled with. And strive to keep those thoughts in a way that is edifying and a way that is pure. Next one, next lesson from Noah. Our obedience brings pleasure to God. Chapter, um, chapter 8, toward the latter part of chapter 8, as Noah and his family, as God instructs Noah and his family to exit the ark. One of the first things Noah did. At some point, what did Noah do? I didn't say the first things that he did. I don't know that. Maybe there was a time lapse in there. But he made sacrifice to God and he gave thanks to God. That's probably one of my next points coming up. God has pleasure in your obedience. He had pleasure in Noah's obedience. We've read that in Exodus over and over and over again. We read it in Numbers with the account of Joshua. Conditions upon whether God would continue to walk his people were, whether or not they chose to walk with him. Our obedience brings pleasure to God. It's expressed uh, pretty well in 1 Samuel. Go to 1 Samuel 15. First Samuel 15, 22. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than to the fat of rams. Go back to John 4. Don't, you don't have to go to John 14, 15. And if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. John, uh, 1 John 5, 3 would express the same things. We show our love to God in that we keep his commandments and we do that which he would have us to do. Our obedience brings pleasure to God. Our disobedience, on the other hand, brings displeasure. It brings pain to God. It brings anger and wrath to God as it did in the time of Noah and in the flood. It pained him at first that he created man and then it angered him. That man had separated himself from it. I think I have maybe a couple, maybe two more here. God provides guidance to us on how to do his will. To the best of our knowledge, Noah was not a shipbuilder until God made him one. The apostles were fishermen, they were physicians, they were tax collectors, they were laborers. Until Jesus made them fishers of men. We ought to think about the will of God and what work he has set out before us. And we ought to seek to do it. Maybe I left out another one of my slides here. We shouldn't make excuses. Well, I don't know how. Noah wasn't a shipbuilder. <laughs> Until God made him one. Well, I don't know how. The apostles were laborers until Jesus made them fishers of men. We ought to think on those things. And we ought to determine, how do I mature? How do I build myself to be able 
to do that which God would have me to do. Go to Philippians, if you kept your page there. Go to Philippians 2 and verse 13. Just turn back to the left. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God created you for a purpose. He gave you work. We should readily embrace it. Go to 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all the glory of God. You want to know how to do it? Get in the Bible. How do I please God? Find out in the Bible. How do I do the work of God? What is the work of God? Get into the Bible. Get into his word. How do I do it? I don't know. I don't know how. I'm not comfortable with. The Bible can help us through those things. We ought to learn from Noah. That God provides the guidance. God told him how to build that ship. Gave him the dimensions, perfect dimensions, by the way. But God told him how to build it, and God told him what to put on it. And what did Noah do? He did that which God told him to do. We learn from Noah that we should believe and we should trust God. 622, which Sean read for us. Told Noah to build the ark. Here's how I want you to build it. Here's the measurements of. Here's what, you, what I want you to put in it. Chapter 7. 622 tells us he did what God had instructed. 7.5 tells us he did what God had instructed. We talked about it already. Don't you know, after a year of shipbuilding, Noah's hands were hardened, harder than they were and calloused? Don't you know his back and his muscles had changed? Don't you know at times, as he was having interaction with people, he mentally was exhausted? But God sustained him. How do we know? Because he built the ark. We should believe and trust in God. God told Noah what was coming. Noah could have said, why? I hear you. That seems a little bit of a stretch, God. I hear you, but you sure do love me. You've shown that you love me. What does the world tell us today? A lot of folks don't believe in hell. How could a loving God allow me to be lost? How could a righteous God not? How could a loving parent let his child do absolutely anything he wants that caused pain and harm to him? It's not logical. Why do we expect God to act differently? God sustained Noah because Noah believed and trusted in God and Noah walked with God. Psalm 55, uh, verse 22 there, for the sake of time, we won't turn. But we tell us the same thing. We ought to believe and we ought to trust in God. It tells us with our whole heart, with our whole mind. Um, Philippians 4.19. Go to 4.19 just with me ever so quickly. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God will supply, God will sustain us. We have to trust in him. We have to believe in him. If we don't believe in him, then we're not going to trust in him. If we don't believe and we don't trust in him, all of this is in vain. I did put it in here. I'll be quick with this one. We ought to learn from Noah that we shouldn't make excuses for not working. 
Noah wasn't a shipbuilder until God made him one. Noah was probably about 500 years old, maybe a little bit younger, maybe a little bit older, depending on how old you or how long you think. How long you think it took to build the ark? But Noah was somewhere around 500 years when God made him a shipbuilder. Noah, there's no account in here that we hear or see or understand that Noah said, but I'm an old man. That's hard work. Well, I don't understand, God. Surely there's another way. We don't read that. God told Noah to do it, and he did it. Timothy was a young man. Paul told him, don't let others despise your youth. Do that which is right. Preach and teach. Esther had to challenge the political system. She had to approach the, the king, and she had to ask favor of her people out of him. She had to challenge the political system. Stephen, Paul, Silas, Peter, others had to face angry mobs. Paul went back after they tried to kill him to preach to those um, who had tried to, to stone him to death. Paul used the judicial system to spread the gospel. Now, he, he had to. He had to defend himself. But he also used it to spread God's word. Moses said, I don't know what to say. And God said, I'll give you my words. Paul claimed he wasn't a great orator. But thousands and thousands upon people of people listen to Paul and still do. When we fail to do God's work, this is my, my, my wording here, so when we fail to do God's work, it's often not because I cannot, it's because I will not. Well, Ben, that's harsh. Go back to my statements earlier. Well, I don't know how. Well, then lean in and learn. I'm not comfortable with, okay. Noah wasn't a shipbuilder. Paul wasn't he wasn't strong in speech. Moses didn't, didn't know what he was going to say to Pharaoh. It's often because I'm just afraid to do it, or I don't want to do it. Go to Luke 14. I'm going to start at verse 8. There's probably a lot we can draw out of 14, and that's why I left it that way. But um, I think the main thrust of what I would use here is those that were bidden to the wedding. They were encouraged to come to the feast. They were invited. They were highly encouraged to come. And they started making excuses. But my family. But my possessions. But I have obligations. But I have responsibilities. It wasn't that they could not come. It's that they chose not to come. We ought to learn from Noah and the apostles and from others. We shouldn't make excuses. We already talked about um, chapter 8, the latter part of chapter 8 there. One of the things Noah did as he exited the ark was made sacrifice and gave thanks unto God. We ought to learn from Noah that we ought to be thankful people. For the sake of time, I'm going to leave it at that. We started with this one last week. It's fitting that we end with it. Noah walked with God. And because he walked with God, he found favor with God. 
We've seen that in Exodus, in our studies of Exodus. We've seen it in our studies in Deuteronomy. We see it in the study of Numbers. We also see from Genesis chapter 6 through chapter 9 that God is patient, he is loving, he is long-suffering. But it's not infinite. It's finite. There's a time appointed unto man. And then our walk upon this earth ends if our Lord doesn't return first. God knows you. He loves you. He remembers you just as he remembered Noah in the first early verses of chapter 8. But there's a limitation to his long-suffering and patience. And there will come an end to all things and then the judgment. There's a lot of things we can learn from Noah. It's a good account. It's a good study among some of the hardest lessons in the Bible. And I've seen other cursory plans. And in chapter 8, chapter 7, chapter 7, Noah and his family entered the ark. And God shoved them in. If the years of building the ark and preparing the ark and doing God's word were tough on Noah and tough on Noah's family, how tough do you think it was when the rain started to fall? And the skies open up and it, it, it gives all indication this was a very violent event. The springs of the deep opened up. The, uh, the the oceans, the springs under the all the springs upon the earth opened up. The waters from the sky fell. This was an immense, enormous, significant event. I can't fathom being one of eight on that boat. And there were men, women, children. They had to have seen some of these people at some point. They had to have heard some of these people at some point. Maybe when God shut them in, maybe they didn't see them. I shouldn't appropriate what's not there. But they knew what was happening. And eight people exited that boat. And it didn't have to be so. But God's patience. God's long suffering comes to an end and he's only a righteous God if he does that which he says he will do. He's only a righteous God if he will save me as he told me he will save me. He's only a righteous God if he will condemn me because he told me he will condemn me. If he's not, if he doesn't hold to that which he stated, then there's no there, there's no um, there's no level to God. There's no easy understanding. If he's flippant in his word, and well, I know I said that, but I'm not really going to do it. Then how do I know he'll do anything? The reality is he's a just and he's a righteous God. 
because he keeps that which he has told us he will do. And he kept it in the time of Noah. And he will keep it again. And if there's a lesson to be learned from Noah, among all these others, is that God loves you. And God wants every man to be saved. But he won't apply it universally. He won't apply it arbitrarily. Have to accept it. As Noah and his family accepted it. Noah labored. Noah worked. Noah walked with God. God's salvation and his plan of salvation is easy, but man makes it hard. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word, Romans 10 17. I've got to hear it. I've got to lean into it. Study it. Know that I know what I know. And because I know it, I ought to embrace it because I believe it. John 20 and verse 31. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God and that believing you might have life through his name. We have to be willing to repent. It's another lesson from the time of Noah. If only the people would have repented. They didn't. Acts 17 and 30 says the times of ignorance God winked at, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent. It's conditional. On our, our salvation is conditional upon repentance. We have to be willing to confess. Matthew 10, 32. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. It's interesting that the bulk of the Bible-believing world, is, I don't know why I gave quotes, I was going to say Christian world, the Bible-believing world have no problems with one through four with you and I. Usually. But we get hung up on baptism. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. If I want to be of Christ, if I want to be in the body, there's only one way to do it. Obedience, hearing, believing, repentance, confession, and baptism. I may not like it. I may not understand it. I don't know how water cleanses me. It's not the water, it's the blood. I don't know how that water's blood. I don't understand it. That's not the way my parents did it. We make all kinds of excuses. But it's a necessity. And then we have to be willing to remain faithful and to keep our walk with God in the way that he would have it to be. My encouragement to each and every one of us, know that you have salvation in Christ because you know. And if you're uncertain, study it out and make it right. If you're certain, then hold that which you keep your first love. Strive to live in a way that honors God and shows your love to him. If you have separated yourself from God, if you have fallen, if there is something that um, stands between you and God, you have an opportunity to make it right. If it's of a private nature, you can make it right now. If it's of a public nature, it needs to, to be taken care of publicly because it's brought shame and reproach upon the body. And this congregation may not even know about it, but somebody somewhere does. And because it's public, it's brought reproach upon the church. And we don't want to know so we know what all you're involved in. We want to know so we know what you're involved in so we can help. 
because we love one another. We should love one another. We should bear one another's burdens. We should strive to encourage and edify and build one another up. If anybody here has need to respond to the Lord's invitation, we make an opportunity this morning. We'll help you in whatever way we can. If you'll come forward as we stand and sing.